But we feel like that Christ Fellowship was a good church when they showed up. And we feel like it's a better church that they've come. Because they've been so involved, so concerned, so prayerful, uh, friendly. They've just been over and above to me what I could do. So uh, before the end of the service, we're going to take up a love offering for Brother Rick and Marty. Uh, so please, uh, before the end of the service, you'll have me back up here, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'd like for you to give Brother Rick a hand. He is going to pour out his heart to you. Come on, Brother Rick. I have one other thing to say, because I'm afraid I'll forget it if I don't say it now. Thank you, Marty, for the gravy. We did something last night. I don't know what it was, but it made a terrible sound. It was awful. Well, it's really interesting um, how God works everything out because we've been here for just about a year and shortly after we arrived, Jeff said, you know, we just got to have you share some of the things that led you, how God led you to come to our church and why you think you were here. And so I'm just amazed. I'm in awe at God because the opportunity when Jeff asked me to share this weekend we had no idea that I was going to be sharing how God is having us move away, too. Um, God is just so incredible. I was just amazed and brought to tears looking at the body today, taking communion. And I am just so thankful for our time here. Um, you guys were what we needed. You were our portion in Christ. And, um, you know, there were a lot of times we used to be in the ministry full time and we had, we, we, the main thrust of it was to single moms and, and single dads actually too, but to help them. And we heard so many times, oh, thank you for what you've done or helping them or building something. And it's really been turned around for us here where you guys have so ministered to, to another part of the body, to us. And, um, you know, my, my main concern after my wife is my children that when they leave our home, that they have a faith of their own. Because those of us who've lived outside of Christ in the world, we know what the depravity and the hopelessness and stuff there is. And there's just such a burning desire in our hearts that our children find the king a safe place. And you guys as a body, and this is in all truthfulness, you have been the portion to minister to our children and to us. And I feel like the only way I can describe it is the, the faith in my children, and, and especially my son, has just become solidified like concrete. As you know, before, 
before concrete sets up, it's real pliable and stuff. And I feel like it's, it's gotten so good and firm and strengthened here. And especially um, the men in this church. We've tried to share before with the homeschool families in the region where we came from, um, just to share the burden, you know. Our sons especially need the fellowship and the encouragement and the exhortation of other men. As men are developing, they need to know it's okay to love the king. Our founding fathers were not afraid of that. They shared openly about that. And we've kind of seemed to have been intimidated and kind of almost neutered as men in our country, I'm afraid. But you guys have been a, a portion that we needed in Christ. And only in heaven will we see the part that you guys all played and will you re- receive the just recompense. Whether it have been a, a handshake or a hug um, it has been the portion in Christ that we needed. We were very comfortable in Colorado, okay? And God began to speak to us a little over a year ago. He gave my daughter a dream. My daughter got up one day, and she said, I dreamt we moved to Texas. And we're like, what? See, where we come from, Texans is kind of like a four-letter word. I have to tell you that just to give you a background because we have a lot of rich hunters that come up in Colorado. And where I grew up, they used to bring a trailer and they'd have their own prostitutes. They'd have their own huge parties while they went shooting and hunting. And we have lots of stories where they'd shoot cows and stuff. They didn't know the difference or if they did, you know. And so where I come from, it wasn't a good thing to move to Texas. Okay? But... The king has redeemed that in our hearts. And I won't tell any more Texan jokes when I go back to Colorado. But my children had their own businesses. My son made between $30 and $40 an hour in his own business. He was on his way making, uh, saving up for buying his first home when he got married or college. My daughter had her own business. Um, the kids were involved. We had lots of um, friends. Our family lived there. And God just began speaking to us about coming to Austin, Texas. And we began to just say, Lord, is this you? And we were contemplating that, wrestling that through as a family. And we went, my kids shoot in the NRA, and we had a regional competition in the southern part of Colorado. And um, the street sign for where the shooting range was was missing, and so we missed the road. We went on into Cortez, and we had lunch, and we said we had a map, we could find it, but... We didn't find it in the first pass. And as we're driving through town to try and find the streets, the three of us are in the car, Elisa and Michael and myself, and we're going, do you guys really think God's telling us to go to Austin, Texas? And the next street that we came up onto was Austin. And the next block, it was Texas. We knew that God was saying it was something he wanted us to do. We had several other incredible, miraculous instances where God just made it very clear he wanted us to leave and to come here. I thought it was for my business. I had a welding training and consulting business um, 
where I did on-site classes for businesses. And in Colorado, we did them for Department of Transportation, Division of Wildlife, city municipalities. It had really had gone really well. And we thought, well, that's probably what God wants to do here. Well, I had one paying class in the last year here. God had other things in mind. And I want to talk about foundations today. Is because the foundation that we have in our life, I believe, will determine how we receive from Christ. God brought us here to bring some correction and some instruction into our belief system. The main emphasis has been the Ripple family, the Not I But Christ series, and you guys. It was none of the new, none of the scriptures that we learned were new. Most of them we already had memorized. But we had not put them together in the foundation of our heart the way that Christ wanted it to be done, I believe. So as of recently, we had another business and it has just not gone at all. In fact, I was trying to find a firm that would manufacture these parts for me and I could not get anybody around here in Houston or Austin or here that would work with me. Only one company, the design engineer in Colorado that I was using, he says, well, I know of a company here in in Denver. Let me give them a shot. And so they're the only ones that ever responded to me, and they had an incredible price to produce these these parts that I wanted made. Well, that's interesting. So since then, as the business has just gone downhill, I've been applying for everything. I've applied everything from HEB to the gas company to the mine, everything. And nothing has come through. Um, We found out just a short time ago, about a month ago, as we were going, Lord, are you bringing this time, this season to an end for us to be here? Is this your heart for us? We found out that the guy that we've been renting from has not been paying his mortgage. And so in actuality, we were trespassing because the bank was now, now the owner of the home. Even though I had a contract and we always tried to pay a month in advance, um, the home wasn't his anymore, and we were trespassing as far as the bank was concerned. And so we were being evicted. Well, the week before we got the eviction notice, I was at work. I had lifted a welder into the back of the truck, and I had a really sharp pain in my, right below my sternum. And I just thought, wow, I must have pulled a muscle lifting it up there. And... Um, Went on to go back to work, and I just I couldn't quite catch my breath, and it was just really hurting. I thought, man, I must have pulled something bad. And I just couldn't do any more work. I had to go sit down. Open, the toolbox was open. I just kind of sat down there, and probably was there about 20 minutes just trying to catch my breath, and I couldn't catch my breath. And I thought, oh, this is strange. You know, you start to get a little nervous and stuff. And so I said, why don't you guys bring me the torch over here? I had the cutting torch. I tried to breathe the oxygen because I knew I was not getting enough oxygen for whatever reason. And at that point, I just dropped the torch. I didn't have the strength to hold the torch. And I realized my arm began to get a little numb. That this is not a good sign. And so I called for the guys, some of the guys there. And by the time they got to me, um, I couldn't even walk. And, and they drug me and put me in the truck it looked like I was having a heart attack. At that point, my whole arm was numb. My lips were numb. And I could not breathe. I was just gasping for air. And they started taking me down the road. This guy's nervous. He's tearing down the road to get to the hospital. 
and my right arm starts to go numb, and I can't breathe. And I just thought, this is probably it for me. You hear all the stories of these things that happen, you know, and I thought, I wasn't afraid because I know that my children have found a place of who they are in Christ that is what as a father I'd hoped for my whole life. And I was confident, and I knew that I have an insurance policy my wife would be taken care of, and it was okay. And I was really just, at that point, I just started to think about the 23rd Psalm, and I just thought, I think I'm going to probably start to hear music and, and see a light. You know, you, you hear stories. You don't know what's going to happen when we cross over. But I thought, this is what's going to happen. And yeah, I was just heaving in the truck, you know, trying to get a breath because I couldn't breathe. And I just went totally limp. And the guy that was driving me thought that I died. And he, he called the boss several times the rest of the day, and he was scared to death because he thought somebody died in his truck. <laughs> It wasn't if I had died, it was if somebody died in his truck. <laughs> and I just, I went totally limp. And I just, it was like I was kind of in a dream world. And I just was thinking about the scripture and anticipating music and, or light. And, um, and I remember they were, I was at the, at the emergency room entrance. And then I was in the emergency room and they were putting IVs in me. And they got me hooked up to the machines. And they said my heart rate was at least 300 beats per minute. And they say less than 1% of people ever lived through that. And in fact, it could have been more because they think the machine only went to 300. Um, and so I was just kind of in a, in a daze. And um, so they had to get my heart rate to stop or I was going to die. And so they, they injected me with something, a, a drug that's supposed to be really quick acting to slow your heart down. And it didn't phase it. And I don't know all the terms. Sunette knows more of it. And they said, well, give them another 12 milligrams. So they gave me this big dose of this stuff. And they're waiting. Everybody's watching, you know. And it, it didn't phase it. It's a real quick acting to, to hit your heart and then to knock it down. And it didn't work. And so they said, well, we're going to have to shock him. We're going to have you know, otherwise he's going to die. And so I just remember it was kind of fuzzy. But I just said, isn't there a Christian somewhere here that can just come and pray for me? And, and a lady next to me said, young man, I'm praying for you. And so I just said, Lord, I wanted somebody to pray out. I, I wanted a man to be there and say, and, and call upon the name of the Lord with me. And so I just was kind of mumbling. And I said, Father, I just ask you to touch my heart and to slow my heart down because it was going to explode. It, by that time, I, I was in enough, I was cognizant enough, I was in massive pain. And um, so I just said, Lord, I just ask you to call my heart, Father, in Jesus' name. I know you can do this. And within a matter of seconds, when I finished, they said, it's breaking. And it went from 300 to 150, immediately just like that. And I just kind of like I was waking up, and I, I knew then at that point I was getting oxygen to the brain, and I started, you know, my arms started hurting from all the IVs and stuff in, and I knew that it, it was not, I probably wasn't going to die. So it's been a long story, but... The foundation of what Jeff and what most of you believe here is so important because it's based on the truth. And, you know, I, I want to kind of make an analogy with here in Taylor. I've never been to a place like Taylor where 
the homes are upheavaled so much. It's amazing to me because of this black peat soil, I guess you call it here. It swells and contracts at massive rates, and they have broken water lines, and homes just drop. Do you know what I mean? And, and to me, it kind of is like our life and what I think Christ wants in our hearts is that our picture of who we are in Christ makes all the difference of how we view dying or like a heart attack or losing your business. It makes all the difference in the world. And God knew that we needed to have some change in our belief system, so he brought us here and he corrected us. And in Hebrews, it says, the sign that we're legitimate sons and daughters is that he corrects us. And sometimes we think from our fathers that we grew up with that correction is a bad thing or discipline is a bad thing, but it's not. It's not from the king. And so he was correcting us. And, you know, I look at the homes here, and some of them you call, they're built on post and beam or pier and beam, and they don't even try and fight the soil. They just let the house and the soil move, and then they come in and shim up and stuff. And so in a a bad way, it kind of reminds me of, of a lot of where our country is with our belief system in Christendom now, is that the ground swelling and moving is like the times. And, you know, they say statistically less than 80% of the pastors in America believe that God's word, that the Bible is true and inerrant. That's a, a terrible thing if you've ever studied history and you see how the founding fathers started our country and the heart of their diaries and the letters that they wrote to each other okay it's a terrible thing and so in some ways people don't even have the foundation they just ride the times you know and they make adjustments in their theology to fit whatever's going on they call it um, statistical ethics now and based upon the statistics of what everybody thinks that is right people adjust their belief system that's a real thing several years ago it was situational ethics Whatever's right in a situation, remember that from Enron. If it was right to lie for the company, then it's okay to go ahead and lie. Okay? And it's one man's subjective ability in his decisions. Okay? But I see another work here where builders come in, and they're not going to live in the house. They're here to make money. And they build homes just right on top of the soil, not worried about the, the long-term consequences. And after a period of years or short years, as the ground heaves, the house is really, it gets structural damage, broken water lines, because of moving, it it was not anticipating these storms, okay? And yet there are some who they will take the time, they'll either drill down to, to the rock and put some pylons in, concrete up, and set the foundation on it, or they will actually excavate and take the bad soil out and put in an aggregate base and compact it to where when the ground around it is moving, it's firm, okay? I want to read you a scripture in in Matthew. You know, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we call it the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that time, Jesus tells a parable. And I think it's important Because it's like it's the culmination. It's the end of all that he's been teaching the disciples and the people there. And to me, it's like he brings it to a final statement. Okay, That's Matthew chapter 7. 
verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and it fell. And great was its fall or its folly, its destruction. Every one of us, especially as men, are a builder. We're building the kingdom of God. We're instructing our children that our children will eventually be a representation of us. Okay? We're responsible to see that the king is rightly portrayed to our children. When my son, we had been in ministry for a lot of years, and we were actually in, a, in Youth with a Mission at the time, and Michael was five years old. And I just thought the best way to prepare him... See, there's a difference. Jeff said, I looked over my notes a while back, and Jeff made a statement. As you guys will remember, we can either serve God or we can serve in God. And there's a huge difference in that. And I didn't know the difference of that before I came here. See, I grew up, after I got saved, was they said, you know, this gift of life is God's gift to you, and what you do, how you serve God, is your gift back to him. And so um, we've given away almost everything multiple times in our life being in ministry. And just thinking this was the way. God wanted to sacrifice. This is how I serve God. Okay? And so I thought the best thing I can do is train my son to be prepared in life for everything. You know, so at age five, I was teaching him to weld. He was running tobacco. He knew how to work the hoe on the backhoe. He was running the loader, front end loader, and he was working on the bulldozer. We'd push trees over with a little D4. And he was riding with me in the snowplow. He learned how to double clutch and run the gears. And see, as best I knew, I was training him, preparing him for life. But with the wrong understanding, I was teaching him to serve God with his flesh, with Adam. And that's the basis, I think, the most important thing in this church that you guys have. I know Kathy teaches the Not I But Christ series. Jeff has taught it. Sharon is teaching it. Um, I would love to see men teaching that. The gift of teaching goes for, is, is, a, is a gift for the entire body. But it just does my heart well when a man is teaching. I think we're too afraid as men that we're going to get in a spot where we don't know what to say, unfortunately. When I do welding classes in the field, I can tell immediately who's going to learn from me and who is not going to learn from me. Okay? Unfortunately, we're very stubborn as men. And it's been to our own detriment because it, we've, we've backed off of those places of leadership in our country and other people have come in and taken over.
it's not that the Not I But Christ series is the answer to everything, but I believe it puts the biblical truth in a, in a perspective that is so right. And that's what Jeff preaches on here. You can hear that if your foundation is right. But I believe if we had not been through that study, we would still agree with what Jeff teaches. Okay, and say, yes, I believe that. But I do not believe it would have made the, the heart impact until we went through it on a regular basis, verse by verse, the way that he teaches it. Okay, it's an incredible resource. I believe that that is why God lifted up a family, plucked us out of everything that was comfortable, and brought us here and humbled us to a point to receive instruction. And that's a good thing. It's not what I had planned, but it's a good thing. And I think that the foundation in our heart of who we know that we are in Christ makes all the difference in the world of when things happen. We were real active in spiritual warfare. We had regional meetings. We'd been, we've taken teams all over the world okay, as missionaries, prayer teams, intercessory teams. But a year or two years ago, I would have looked at this time and said, ah, in the name of Jesus, the devil has taken my business away from me. And it would have all been about me battling for my, my health or my business. And you know what? That is gone. And when it says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Heavenly Father, who does not change, who does not shift, I believe that every provision, all the things that happen, are from him. It's only my picture that comes from the garden. See, in the garden, there came a point where they ate from the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you take away all the evil choices, what do you have left? All good choices. See, we made a lot of good choices all the time serve God, okay? And people used to recognize us for that and affirm us for that, but the foundation wasn't quite right. And if we don't have that firm foundation, we fall back under the nature of Adam because that's what comes natural to us, okay? We relate back to God. What can I do for you? What can I do to make up for the bad part, or the sin, or things like that. Adam has a lot of good ideas. The nature of Adam can do a lot of things that look very good, very religious. We took teams around the world to evangelize the world. We were the second team from Youth with a Mission to go into Nepal. Nepal is a very hostile nation. The team before us, they had thrown the leaders in a cave for preaching the gospel and held them there for four days back in, in the mountains in the Himalayas. And we went into the same region. But it was about what we were doing for God, not what in God we were doing. And there's a huge difference. So I want to encourage you guys. I want to exhort you as a body and say thank you for your part in our lives because what you had, we needed. Okay? But I want to exhort you, too, to follow through and to listen 
to what Jeff is teaching and what he's preaching. And especially those series that he has, the Not I But Christ. It's not the series. It is the avenue to the truth that the series provides. And it makes it very easy. Okay? And from our travels around the world and and our friends and other pastors we know in Colorado, I've not met or been a part of a church where the truth is held in its high esteem here and the foundation is preached from. But I hope that you're not just hearing it and agreeing with it. I hope that it's becoming the foundation in your life because I really believe it is a matter of life and death. God said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Okay? I really believe that that's true. I believe that I probably would not have made it through this year of my life because my heart had been so burdened for so many years carrying the responsibility for my children, my wife, the nation, the government, intercessory prayer for people, ministry, that it just really wore my heart out. And I believe that Christ gave me my life back um, just about a month ago, okay? Because in all practicality, I shouldn't have lived through that, okay? In proper perspective, God will share burdens with us, but it's not to destroy us. It's not to tear us down, okay? It's through Christ and in Christ that we know when to share, what to share, and it's Christ who does the work. So... It's a time of exhortation and a thanks to you guys of, of the ways. Back to the story about foundations is that we just have been saying, Lord, whatever you desire for our time here. But we need to have, first of all, work, and we need to have a, a place to stay, seemingly. Well, we found out um, just about a month ago that our house was being repossessed and that this Friday is the last day that we can be in there. We said, okay, Lord, at least you're taking one provision away. You will provide for your children. See, always before, when I got into situations like this, I just got really grumpy. Because in Adam, I just kept thinking, what more does he want from me? Why is all this bad happening to me? What have I done wrong that all these things keep happening? God, it says you bless your people. Why are you taking our home away? What is happening here? See, it was the foundation of how I viewed Christ and myself. It was like, and Jeff has done this analogy, me and Christ. Christ is here and I'm here. I am in Christ. You know, the study brings out 230 times in the New Testament, it says in Christ. There's a reason for that. He's trying to make it a point. He's trying to give us life. And so... Back to the story, Lord, you're closing one door. What are you going to do? People are not going to rent a home. They wanted two years prior work history. Okay, I had no job. And at this point, no money. Before, because, okay, I'll just pay you a month or a year in advance. You know, most people would not turn that down. You said, Lord, what are you bringing about? And about a week ago, um, you know, the, the doctor's orders are, you know, have a little bit more of a stress-free life, you know. Well, my house is being evicted. We're being evicted. I have no job, no work. And then they decide they're not going to 
file this in workman's comp, so I'm responsible for probably all these thousands of dollars in business or of, of the hospital bills. And he says, just don't be stressed. Put your I, feet. <laughs> yeah, you, you put these boots on then. So anyway, last week, last week sometime, as a family, we often read stories together. And my wife had gotten a book from the library. And I, it was after lunch, and my heart was going back into arrhythmia. And I just said, oh, I just need to have a rest. I just need to relax because my mind is always, what am I going to do? You know, Part of me is still going, what have I done? What am I going to do? Part of me is resting. Lord, this is about you, and you're going to provide for us some way. You'll provide something. It may not be what I want. You may be living with friends here in one room, but you will provide. So Martha begins to read the book, and she's partway through the book already. So she opens up the book, and she begins to read. And it happens that this book is a mystery, and this whole setting is in Colorado. Okay? Well, that in itself is not enough. Make us move. But it's certainly interesting. And so I'm sitting there listening, and she's reading, and the main character of the book begins going to interview somebody driving down the road, and she's looking for Troutman Trail in Colorado. Troutman Trail in Colorado. Now, this is getting a little more interesting. place that she is in that day to read to me, and the only other place, as far as I know, that it's ever mentioned was Troutman Trail in Colorado. And I said, wow, well, that's interesting. Colorado's still big, not as big as Texas, but where are we going to go? And we didn't know. Lord, still. Seems you're indicating for us to leave, okay? But we need some more direction, it seems. And so Friday, I went for another interview. I had a lot of applications still out here, and I went and interviewed for a job on Friday. Jeff had come over that morning and prayed with us, and we were anticipating, Lord, we're getting down to a week. We have to, we have to be out in a week and have a job if we're going to rent a home. And um, I didn't get the job. And so I called Martha on the way home, and I called Jeff, and I knew they were really disappointed. And um, I believe it was that point that Martha began to cry somewhere in there. So I got home and was like, that's okay. God, if, you're, if, if you don't want us to be here, you will, you will continue to make provision for us somehow. Well, we're out cleaning up because the house is the banks, and we need to turn it over, so we're doing the yard work and getting it cleaned up. And... Um, out there, and I had my cell phone because I still have a business cell phone from Colorado. And I, it had been off all day, and I thought, yeah, I probably should just put it in my pocket. So I turned it on and put it in my pocket, and we're out weed-eating, and it starts to vibrate. So I pick it up, and it's this guy from Colorado. And he's like, Rick, what have you been doing? And I'm like, well, you wouldn't believe me if I told you what's happened in the last month. <laughs> and um, he's like, Oz Connie says, I got this big welding project, and he's uh, the he has the franchise for a couple states where they have these roll-off truck beds. So you have one truck and you have multiple beds that you can put on this truck and do different things with. And I've helped him put some of them together before. And he's like, I got another, another project. I need you to come up and do some welding for him. You think that's a possibility? And I said, well, it could be. I said, we were thinking of moving back up there, but we don't have a place to stay. I got an apartment. I got everything you need. It's already furnished. So I get, you got a job. He's actually, I'm looking for a salesman to go full-time with me to, um, to promote some of these other things. And um, so you got a job, and, and you got a place to stay. And so that became pretty obvious at that point because I hadn't talked to the man for months, and he had no idea what was going on. And 
I called him later back that day. He goes, yeah, God's just, you've been on my heart. I've been praying for you here, you know, last couple weeks or something like that. And I, today I just knew I needed to call you. And so it's just interesting how God's timing is. You know, for almost a year, Jeff's been saying, I got to get you up and, and have you share your testimony. I think people will be blessed to see that, you know, as a part, and, he, and I'm paraphrasing now. Jeff didn't say this part, but I wanted you guys to know that you're an integral part in the eternal purpose and plans of God. And it may seem kind of doldrum or just a daily grind to come to church every day, but what you have, the body of Christ in America needs. But I believe that, and I don't know where all you guys' belief system are, but I hope that you use this time in Christ fellowship to let that foundation be established, that it doesn't matter when those storms come, when you lose your job or you can't make your payments, that we don't judge God and say that this is a bad thing. It all comes from God. I believe it all does. But it exposes the foundation in our heart. If I begin to call things bad or that I don't like this provision, I'm eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm living in the nature of Adam and not in the nature of Christ. And so we're still in there. We're battling most of the time to maintain that, that bitter truth that we have now. But it has been so freeing. It has brought life for our family. And you know what's amazing? is I've sent a bunch of those copies. Actually, I've given them out on the job site. And, and guys, a lot of them are really interested. You know, this one guy I was talking with on our job, and um, they go to the Catholic church, and he says, I don't even want to go anymore. I just told my wife, he said, you know, every time I go into church, I'm just looking at all the beautiful women. He says, that's, I know that's not right. He says, but that's just what I do. And he said, I don't even want to go to church anymore. It just seems wrong to be looking at the women with lust in my eyes when I'm in church. And I said, well, you know, that's, the, that's what the Bible says the nature of Adam is, you know? And we're able to share the entire gospel with this man. And I don't know if he's become a Christian. I don't know. But you know what? He called me shortly after my heart incident. He's the laborer on the job, you know? He speaks English, but he's... It just didn't seem like the kind of guy that was going to call and check up on me. But he called and checked up on me. And he's calling me, Rick, I just want to know how you're doing. You know, how's things? And he was really hungry. I believe there are a lot of men out there that are that way. But if we don't have the right foundation, we really have nothing to offer them. Okay? And you know what? We come from churches that are filled with, um, like, AA meetings where we come together because well, I'm just addicted to porn or I'm addicted to this or I'm addicted to that. You know what? It says the truth. We shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. I believe that most of the churches in America that I've been a part of or even as a pastor, we don't operate in the truth and the power of the gospel. It's no different than the world in many ways. And in fact, you know what? There's no condemnation in this. Without Christ, we've been the same way. But we have by some statistics, a higher divorce rate in evangelical Christianity than outside the church. Jesus said you will know a tree by its fruit. Okay? And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The ministry of the law. How do we know if we live under the nature of Adam, which really is the law, the, na- the law of sin and death? And we equate that with the law. Okay? 
How do we do that? Is it says the ministry of the law is condemnation and death. From the time that my son was five and I began all these massive training exercises to make him the best in everything, much of the time, all he heard was condemnation. Why did he hear that? I never understood. Why? I'm telling you the truth. It's because my foundation was still functioning out of the nature of Adam. And so that when I was in ministry at that point, every time somebody would say, man, that was an incredible project. We used to build ramps for handicapped and and for um, seniors when they started to use walkers. You know, we built ramps. We did it all for free. All of, we paid for everything. Sometimes we didn't even share the gospel. It was just to go and to serve the people. But any time our leader would go to affirm me, man, that was, you know, these people were blessed, my mind would immediately check out to what was the next big thing that I could do. See, and that's the nature of Adam. It's never satisfied. And that's why when I spoke, people around me always felt condemned with what I was sharing. And what I heard from the scriptures and from God, enough is never enough. It's never good enough. See, that's the nature of Adam. And it goes back to Genesis, you know, Cain and Abel, where Cain brought the offering from the work of his hands. Okay? I brought the work of my hands so much to God. Aren't you pleased with what I did? Aren't you pleased with me sharing about you at work? It was always about my offering to him. And see, God says he was not pleased with that. He was not pleased with all my effort. He was not pleased with Cain's effort. He was beginning to paint a picture. The only thing that was acceptable was a blood sacrifice to atone for sins. The only thing, and Jeff preaches on this, the only way I'm acceptable to God is in Christ. There is no other way. And I'm trying to be acceptable because of what I do. I've come back under the law, and the ministry of the law is condemnation and death. I spoke with a man who is a very successful businessman recently, and he just said something in the conversation. I just don't feel real close to God. I haven't been to church nearly as much as I should have been, and I just don't feel close to God. We went to have lunch after that conversation, and um, I just began to share. I said, you know, if you're in Christ, I don't feel that you're ever estranged from God. I don't believe that. I used to believe that a long time ago, but I don't think that's what the Scripture teaches. When we're in Christ, he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. There's no separation. I cannot be separated. My whole theology has been changed since I came here. And I used to be a pastor and a missionary. Okay? But what you have is valuable to the kingdom of God here. And this brother began to share, this older man, he says, I said, well, you know, if we operate under the law about God's probably not pleased with me because I've not been to church enough or because of my actions, that's kind of indicative of what Adam, the nature of Adam, is that we're, we're hoping that our conduct is, is appropriate or fulfilling to God or pleasing to God. And you know, it says the ministry of the law is condemnation and death. And he says, wow. He says, every time I try and share something with my wife, she just tells me, you're just condemning me. I just feel condemned by you. And I said, well, <laughs> it says a tr- you will know a tree by its fruit. 
and you're probably eating from this tree. Or she is, and all she can hear is, I'm never enough. I never do enough. I'm never good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't cook well enough. All that same bar of enough is never enough. Cain's offering, I believe he worked hard at his offering. I really do. I believe the offering from the ground that he brought was everything he could do, but it was all that he could do. And God was trying to say, it's not what you can do. It's about my mercy and grace. You have to bring, you have to come into agreement with what I say is acceptable. And what Christ says now is acceptable. What the Father says is to be in Christ. Nothing else is acceptable to him. Not how good we are, what we give away, what we do. It's not good enough. Or we come back under the law. And when you hear the fruit of condemnation or the works of the flesh, also in Galatians 5, the works of the flesh, anger, unforgiveness, outbursts of rage, okay, dissension, all those things, God's trying to say that he's not condemning you. He's just saying, son, look what's coming out of your life. Is this the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those things are not what we're supposed to try and do. It's who we are when we are in Christ. And for us as men, especially, we don't like to be corrected. But when these things begin to take place, I believe that's why God took everything we had, is I needed to be humbled. I didn't think of myself as particularly as a proud man, but I see that I needed to be humbled to receive the instruction that God had for me. So when you see the fruit of the flesh in Galatians 5, it's not to condemn us. The role of the Holy Spirit in John 15, I think it is, John 14, 15, or 16 there, the role of the Holy Spirit for the unbeliever, it says for the world, the Holy Spirit must come. I'm just going to go there so I don't get it wrong. Jeff was here. He'd tell me exactly where it is. And we'll close with this and we'll let... Do you want to close? Or, okay. Let me share this scripture. John chapter 16. But starting in verse 5. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where are you going. But, so, but because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to our advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is the important part, you guys. And I did not understand this until six months ago. And it was an aha moment that Michael and I had in with Pastor Jeff one day working through some stuff. See, I always taught people, God's going to convict you of your sin. If you act that way, God's going to convict you of your sin. And I was wrong. He convicts the unbeliever of sin. But there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Let's see the role of the Holy Spirit. Like Jeff says, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. But when he, when he comes, he will convict the world. The world are those who are not in Christ concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The only sin I believe we will ever be held accountable for, mankind, is rejection of Christ. I believe when we understand what took place at the cross, that he is appropriation for our sin, and not only our sin, but for the sins of the world. 
and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. We have been judged when we sin, and we know that we have all sinned. Here's the good part. I have many more things to say to you, but, I, but you cannot bear them right now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, there's two separate roles here. The first one was to the world. The world, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Is that right? But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So the role of the Holy Spirit for a believer, for us in Christ, it says he will guide you into all the truth. He will lead you. I believe there are two distinct roles of the Holy Spirit. When we're in Christ, I do not believe he convicts us. I believe, and my son brought this out the other day. He says, you know, I mean, I think as a father, well, I know I did. I'd always say, but God's not going to be pleased with that. You have to be a good steward when you work for somebody. We do everything as under the Lord, not under man, you know? I don't think God's pleased with that. See, I was taking the role of the Holy Spirit. And all my children heard was, you're never good enough. Because is our flesh good enough? My flesh will fail every single day. I'll have a thought. I'll have an action. My righteousness cannot be based upon my flesh. Or we're all in trouble. That's what the law said. And the purpose was to condemn The ministry of the law is condemnation and death to let us see this is the standard and we can no way make it. It has to be by faith. Okay? And my son said this, made this statement today, and I probably will get it wrong, but he said, I'm amazed at how when I rest in Christ that the battle of the flesh is like it's over. And because it says the mindset on the flesh is what? Death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace through Christ. So the more that I get consumed about my, quote, sin or my bad behavior, what does it bring about? Death. I just keep getting consumed. How do I make myself good enough? That's why my heart wore out. Because, see, I was using my flesh to judge. Am I I righteous? Am I doing good? Is God pleased with me? Those all come from Adam and from Cain. Those words are all there, okay? And from the law. The ministry of the law is condemnation and death. So when I'm operating in the nature of of Adam, okay, my mind, my eyes are on my flesh and what I can do for God. And it will never be good enough. That's why the majority of people I talked with, and even back home, I say, do you you feel like you're, you're... you're okay with God, your relationship with God right now? The man that I talked with, the businessman, he's a multimillionaire, okay? And he's telling me his belief system by what he says. And he says, I don't feel close to God. I haven't been going to church very much. He's showing me where his belief system is. He's showing me the foundation of his building, okay? I believe that when we're in Christ, it says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that we will either see our flesh and the failings and become very discouraged, okay? Most people that I've interviewed and talked with, when I say, and these are Christian people that go to church, do you feel close to God? No, I don't feel close to God. Why would you not feel close to God? 
because our eyes are on our flesh about how good I look or how good I've done, how much I've given away lately, okay? If it was based upon those things, our family should be really doing good with God. We've given away everything being in ministry many times over, okay? Thousands and thousands of dollars, cars, all sorts of things. But you know what? Enough was never enough because it was the law. And the law's ministry is condemnation and death. So I just want to end this. If our view of the king is that I don't feel close to God, I feel like I'm never good enough, I just want to encourage you, okay, get one of these copies of Not I But Christ and, and arm wrestle Jeff to have the series again and get involved in it and go through it. It will build a foundation that I believe will set the people because, see, the job here for the pastor, the fivefold ministry Ephesians, first of all, God set the um, apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. They are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It is our job out here to share Christ in the world. And for the guy who says, I don't want our church anymore because I just look at the women and lust after them, we have an answer. We have the answer. He doesn't have to do that. In Christ, that is, that's why Jesus was called the last Adam. The flesh was crucified at the cross. Okay? But if we don't understand the truth and believe by faith, then we will get our eyes back on the flesh and we have nothing but condemnation and death to offer people. Plus, we live under it ourselves. All right. Where's Richard? Praise the Lord. Uh, I feel so inadequate now standing up here after after such a testimony. Uh, we we thank Brother Rick and his family. As a matter of fact, why don't you guys come up here real quick? Is the daughter next door working or is she here? <clears throat> I would just like to, uh, yeah, if y'all don't mind, go next door and get her. Family's incomplete without her, so we want her here. Uh, we're going to give this uh, you guys an opportunity to bless uh, Rick and Marty, Steve, and the ushers are going to come forward in a, in a minute. As a matter of fact, uh, Steve, Steve went next door, so I'm all over the table right now. Here we go. Come on up here, girl. <laughs> we just want to pray a blessing over this family uh, and again I feel so inadequate uh, myself praying over a family that has trusted so much more than I I'll admit it more than I but they have been such a blessing and like I mentioned before Christ Fellowship is better because of their season here. They may come back someday. Okay? They may not. But I pray that what they've learned here, and I know this is, I know I'm speaking to the choir here. I know that what they've learned here, they will take 
and they will minister to others as they've never ministered before. I pray for their well-being, their health. I pray for family. And I really believe that when Marty gets to heaven, she's going to be cooking gravy. Praise God. <laughs> That's a blessing, by the way. So let's reach, just reach your hands forward and let's pray. Father, you have blessed us so. You've blessed us so. With Rick and Marty and these kids coming, Lord. Lord, they've been so involved and Lord, uh, so workable. They wanted to work in every facet of the ministry here, Lord. And a lot of that may come from the fact that in the past they have seen so much in the missionary field. I know Marty's been to Russia and many other places, I'm sure, Lord, that Rick didn't get an opportunity, Lord Jesus, to mention because the, the list is so long. The list is so long. And the sacrifice and is so long and great. But Lord, we just ask you, Father God, to touch this family. And we send them off, Lord Jesus, if it be thy will to send them off. Lord, we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you, uh, you bless them. Father, we feel like, Lord Jesus, their walk is, is superior, Lord Jesus, to it's superior to mine. And I long for that walk, Lord. So I just ask you, Father God, to uh, touch them. Put your arms around them and hug them, Lord. Let them talk to you every day because you are their best friend. You're their Savior, their healer. And Lord, most of all, just continue, Lord Jesus, to let them walk in your light to touch others for the kingdom of God. We love you and we praise you. And we thank you, Father God, for this testimony this day. It's in your name we pray and we give you thanks. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Could you ushers come forward? <clears throat> we would ask that you be generous as you can. Uh, uh, just do what you can. Uh, this this offering will go to Rick and Marty. Uh, and we just uh, thank God for how, how faithful you've been throughout the years and throughout all of our time here, Lord Jesus. And he is so special to us, so special to us. Brother Steve.